you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, Jesus breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. And he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, a week later, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and bring your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, If you come to believe because you have seen me, Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that through this belief you may have life in his name. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
So if ever we should find ourselves in one of those situations where we're sort of scratching our head and we're saying, hmm, what about God? Does he really exist? Or maybe more specifically, what about Jesus? Is he really the son of God? Or maybe from time to time, hopefully not too often in our lives, we have one of those dark nights of the soul where everything is sort of up for grabs. There's no experience of God in our lives and we wonder if this whole thing is, I don't know, kind of made up. Well, if we have ever from time to time had those kinds of little doubts and are kind of bouncing around inside our heads, the good news is this morning the church gives us our patron saint, Thomas the Doubter, Doubting Thomas. It's not really a very appropriate title for the guy because he makes one mistake and he's labeled for the rest of history with that uh, unfortunate label, but Thomas, you know, had his trouble. He made a big mistake. And he's a perfect person to walk with anyone who from time to time scratches their head and says, hmm, is this whole thing kind of made up or not? So Thomas, in this first part of today's gospel story, the part that deals with him, you know, he presents himself in, with kind of three problems that are sort of at the root of his, his adamant declaration that he's not going to believe. The first is that he is kind of a scientist. Not a scientist, I suppose, like today, you know, where you've got microscopes and telescopes and all sorts of other instruments to do your work. But a scientist in the sense that, that he trusts his senses. You know, if I can touch it, I'll believe it. If I can see it, I'll believe it. If I can hear it with my own ears, I might believe it. You know, I've got to use my senses. It's sort of like one of those, you know, I guess what state is it? People from Missouri? You know, you know, I don't believe it unless I see it with my own eyes. So, you know, it's that little bit of sort of the scientific method. I've got to see it, touch it, see it for myself. That's, that's Thomas in spades. And there's another problem with Thomas is he begins this story, and that is that he is very much a person who wants to experience things himself. What other people experience doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to him. It's what he himself experiences. That's how he judges and evaluates everything that goes around him. And, and the third thing I suppose that you would say about Thomas in this first part of the story is that besides being kind of scientific, and besides being very subjective, what happens inside me is the, what's real. He's also, he's also rather not just independent. He's more than that. He's sort of got a little bit of that contemporary sort of spiritual disease of saying, you know, I don't need other people. Uh, I don't really need other people to tell me how to live my life or to help me in my life. I've got this covered myself. And because of those three things in his life, when he hears from the other apostles and disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead and has greeted them, they've seen the Lord, he says, nope, not going to believe it. Not going to believe it because I haven't seen it, because I haven't experienced it myself, and because I don't trust the rest of you. You know, it's all nice and good to sort of be friends, but I don't need you, you don't need me. 
So he doesn't buy in to the original proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus, and he goes off. As we hear, there's no word of him for the next week. He's off doing his own thing. He's, he's you know, independent Thomas. So individualist Thomas may be even a better word. So finally he comes back to the fold on the next Sunday. We find him again. He's meeting with the disciples. He's up there. And the whole thing repeats itself, except this time Thomas is there. And he's there, and with his own eyes, he sees the risen Lord. This time, Jesus has some words for Thomas. Thomas, come forward. You were so brave and so adamant about not believing, and you would only believe if you touched my wounds and touched my side. So come on up here, young man. Sort of feels like grade school, doesn't it? When <laughs> sister says, young man, come forward. Well, suddenly the whole fortress of unbelief, that fortress of doubt, that fortress of not accepting what others have told him collapses and in the presence of the risen Lord he offers out of his heart and out of his mouth the most profound words of the Gospel of John, the words that are the climax of the Gospel of John. He says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. The perfect profession of faith. What a journey he'd been on during that week. As he went from scientific Thomas and independent Thomas and individualistic Thomas and don't need anybody else, subjective Thomas, what I experience is my own thing, therefore I doubt to my Lord and my God. So he, as I said, is kind of our patron saint, isn't he? Because what are the times we live in? You know, more than even in his own time, far more now. We live in a society, in a culture, the air we breathe is very, very much dominated by what? The scientific method, as wonderful as it is, and as much as it has touched us. People today say and believe and think and operate on the principle that if I can't see it, if I can't hear it, if I can't touch it, with my own eyes, my own hands, my own telescope, my own microscope, my own probe, then it's not provable. It's not perhaps even true. So that a whole portion of human life gets kind of lost. You know, what about love? How did we get here? What about something beyond ourselves? We didn't create ourselves. All those questions go by the wayside because we rely so much in our culture on telescopes, microscopes, and probes to poke around all kinds of things. And all of that is good, but it's the world we live in, and it's not one that necessarily allows us the freedom to just say, I believe. Secondly, we live in a time when everything is pretty much subjective. You know, it's what's in here. If I haven't experienced it myself, if I haven't thought it myself, you know, I don't need to trust anyone else to tell me how to think, how to believe, how to feel. And then the individualism of, that's rampant in our society these days, you know, I don't need a community, I don't need a tribe, I don't need a country, 
I don't need other people really except just sort of as tools in my life. My independence, my individualism is paramount. All of those things, of course, set us up in our culture, in our time, for lots and lots of doubts and lots and lots of questions and lots and lots of people sort of slipping away from faith and religion and church and mass on Sunday and whatever else because it doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> and we can't help in this society and a culture like this to find ourselves sort of occasionally scratching our heads and saying, well, is there really a God? Is Jesus really divine? I haven't experienced it in my life, therefore it's not there. I'll go ski on Sunday morning. So what does Thomas teach us? He teaches us a few things because he is one who moves. He's a pilgrim on the way to faith. He's one who goes from doubt to the beautiful proclamation of faith in a matter of a week. And how does he do it? How does he get there? Well, on one hand, he gives the gift of seeing Jesus. That's fine. But what he sees with his eyes is, is not enough. What he can touch with his fingers is not enough. What happens to him is he lets go of that and recognizes that the experience, the encounter with the living Jesus is more than just touching and seeing. It's love. It's relationship. It's when he hears Jesus speak his name <laughs> that, that that need to rely on his own senses falls away. The second thing that happens is he does this in the context of a gathering of the other disciples and apostles. This is a community and suddenly their testimony from the previous week on begins to make sense to them and he realizes he can't do this by himself. He has to trust the experiences of others, what others have seen and experienced along the way. And maybe most of all, his individualism falls away as he realizes that these other people are there to support him and help him in his doubts just as he will help them and strengthen them when they have their doubts. We're in this together. What we have here is a mini church, a pre-church before the church in a sense. What we have here is the disciples and the apostles of Jesus supporting one another in the proclamation of the faith. Look, when you have one of those down times, when you have a doubt, I'll be there for you. When, when I have a doubt, you'll be there for me. When, when we both have doubts, we've got this whole community, this whole family, this whole church to support us and help us get through to the next stage, which is recognizing that together with one another, we hear Jesus speak our name. We experience Jesus' love for us and our love for him. We remember what he has done for us and what he will do for us. We know that his spirit is hovering about in our lives. And the deepest and richest and best place to experience that is with one another together. 
We need one another if we are going to hold fast and grow and deepen in our faith in Jesus, our trust in Jesus, our love for Jesus, so that we can join with Thomas and the other disciples and the apostles and with Christian believers throughout the centuries in proclaiming with trust and with joy and tremendous confidence the simple words of Thomas, our patron saint, my Lord and my God.